Welcome to the DevReady Podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better technology. My name is Andrew Romeo, and today I've got with me my co-host, Anthony Sapunzas. Uh, on this podcast, we're lucky enough to uh, interview Robert Ventor. Robert is from Easy Tender. Easy Tender is a tendering system that has been built out of South Africa, and we learnt about his journey as a non-tech building a technology product. Now, Robert has significant domain knowledge uh, in the in the tendering space and even in the project management space. He talks about how he managed, at points in his career, 43 projects at once, um, applied for over four, 400 tenders throughout that process, um, and basically eventually found what the real problem of what he was trying to solve. Now, he started off his vision and journey with a big picture plan. And eventually, after four years and going through development teams and different trials and tests and even startup incubators, even got access into an accelerator program out of um, Silicon Valley, which is pretty cool to hear, Robert found that he was focusing too big, too broadly, uh, and actually dived in to a significant problem that was in the marketplace that he could solve quickly, easily and efficiently. You'll learn about how Robert, over this four-year journey, was able to, about three and a half years in, build a product in three months and then start picking up customers. Uh, that learning will actually inspire you to think differently about how you're building your products. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you really got involved with um, uh, Easy Tender and where that all came about. I've been in the project management industry for about, say, the last 10 years. Okay and um, a lot of work on major projects like power stations. Um, I did a lot of work for government projects. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you get to see how, like from, especially in South Africa, there hasn't been a lot of adoption in tech in that sort of project reporting space, project management space. I mean, you have your standard tools like a Microsoft projects and all the rest of that. But if I can say the level of adoption uh, digital adoption in that space just really hadn't kicked off over the last, uh, I'd say, 10 years. You know, you've got your, good, mm -hmm. your big players in the market, but it still doesn't mean that the market takes on, or the market adopts that technology, either due to a high price point or to a level of complexity. Okay. So, so for me, like, I, I ran multiple projects. I think at one stage, I was probably running about 43 projects at, at one go. Uh, within the construction space. That's a lot of projects. And, <laughs> yeah, a lot of projects, yeah. a little bit of sleep. Yes, I imagine <laughs> so. <laughs> and um, I, I eventually just started creating my own tools, whether they were in Excel. Um, I think I managed to create a, a program management dashboard out of Excel. Okay. Because uh, there's no way you can run that many projects and try reports and then mm. try to keep on top of things without having the right kind of systems in place. Yeah. Um, and my employers at the time were just not interested in any form of technology that could could simplify that. You know, once again, that's a, a cost point for them. Yes. So I eventually designed my own construction project management software. But when I say design, uh, I, I have no technical uh, background at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the only way that I could do that is I actually uh, created it through Wix, because that's the only way I could envision that. Okay. So it's sort of like a website builder. Yeah. Wix. Yep. Uh, and I created my entire sort of software, the construction project management software designed to do that. Mm -hmm. And with that, I got into I got into a an incubator here in South Africa with the Dutch embassy. Yes. Spent spent about a year working through that, and you know you're trying to close investment uh, or try get new customers based on that. Mm -hmm. And one, once again, without a technical co-founder, without any technical co-founder, mm -hmm. uh, I thought I thought we could go and raise the money with what I've designed and, you know, the, the few customers that were keen to sign up. Um, I'd probably gone through two different dev parts, attempted to set up two dev relationships in that time. And um, I, I think I've mentioned to Andrew before, like the, mm -hmm. my very first one, what I did is I actually just tested a very small component of our software. It was a, a meeting management component just to see whether that relationship would actually work out. Uh, would, you know, from, you know, am I articulating what a developer needs to, to, to see and hear? And is the developer giving me what I envisage? Um, and that, I think we probably worked together for about six months and eventually I pulled the plug on that. 
Um, you know, I need to know that whatever I'm putting, if I'm getting the customers to the table, and I need to know that whoever my development partner would have been mm -hmm. would be able to to deliver on that. So first and foremost, you went in and put your concepts down weeks. Did you create like a, just a, a flow website in terms of how the whole website would look and feel? Is that where you started? Yeah, so yeah. I think it was it was for the look and feel, mm -hmm. but also for the information flow or the okay. data flow, if we can call it that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people come up with an idea and it still becomes a bit disjointed. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got, you don't have the, you either have a very deep technical understanding and then it's not user friendly. Yes. Or it's the other way around. You've created this thing, but it has no technical merit behind it. Get it. Okay. So that's where you started. So what was your first dev team attempt? Was that the attempt where you tested something out or did you go in and just look for... Um, someone would actually take on the whole project and deliver the thing from start to finish. Um, so, so initially, initially, I wanted to get somebody to do the whole project. Mm -hmm. But I mean, in terms of the sort of size or the size of the scope of work for that design or that entire construction project management software, I think just my design document for that is about 264 pages. <laughs> Significant. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. so they have plenty of content to go off. Yes. Yeah. So initially what I decided to do is just take one component out of all of that mm -hmm. and test that and see whether this particular developer could, could uh, you know, do this component, mm -hmm. or develop this component. Um, but it was also, it was an interesting, uh, if I can say, an interesting exercise to run. Okay. Because firstly, that's my official first dev sprint, if I can call it that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, <laughs> and... And I think from there, like, you kind of start to see the difference between, the, you know, you have an idea, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're from a corporate background mm -hmm. or whatever, coming in with an idea doesn't mean it necessarily translates to some proper, uh, proper piece of software. No, really, it's all about that execution, right? You may, as many ideas out there in a the marketplace, and generally, there could be 101 people that have the same idea as you. Uh, but really how you execute it is number one. So take us through. Yeah. So you started off, you did a test with that developer. What happened? So you, you really didn't get much value out of the first step or how did that approach uh, go? Yeah, so essentially he, he, did, he did develop what I was mm -hmm. looking for, but yeah. in terms of how long this process took yes. and what, what that final sort of look and feel and, you know, from a customer or customer experience component, I don't think that product would have sold. It had okay. it had the functionality, mm -hmm. but from a customer experience, you know, guys don't want something that you're not going to buy a million rand house if it looks like a million uh, a five rand house. If I can get it like that, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So then that team, um, did you were they like a local team? Had would you go to a web developer? How did you find? How did them, you find yeah. the team and then judge that um, they could do it initially? But, so this was just somebody that was in my network, former, mm -hmm. the, he sits at a CIO level or CTO level mm -hmm. uh, within the corporate corporate business, but runs his own dev business on the side as well. Okay. Um, and he had he had big clients. He had, uh, you know, guys like MassMart and things. So he had very big clients, but just like I think, you know, when we're looking to go into relationships like that, you also have to understand what their capacity is mm -hmm. and their level of interest. Yep. Like, so the relationship... Is it just a side project or do they really have capacity for that? Get it. So did you jump into a relationship looking for a dev partner to actually assist you through the process? Was that the type of arrangement you were establishing? Yeah. So yeah. essentially I just, I wanted a dev partner for this. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Maybe something, someone that I could build that mm -hmm. entire software together with over the yes. long term. Mm -hmm. um, you know, quite happy to sort of do mm -hmm. whatever the equity splits were, you know, okay. just so I could get something yeah. out there. Yeah. So... Um, the challenge that we find with that sort of world, I think you sort of stumbled across it, is yes, you can go out into the marketplace and hunt down people that might do an equally split, but then when money gets a little bit tight, those companies generally go and follow the money trail. So it becomes a little bit challenging for them because they are seen, if you're going to go out there and do that, they're technically an investor in your product, but then they're also delivering on the investment. So they've really got a two-pronged approach here. So they're paying one for these resources, but then they've got to manage a project and work through collectively. So it does become challenging to find the right person to do that. So I'd love to see how the, the rest of that journey went. And then it's, yeah. to touch that up, yeah. how did you find that your project manager experience in the construction industry mapped over to your first dev sprint and in the software space? Yeah, that's a good question. 
one of my biggest uh, strengths in project management would be project planning. Okay. So a lot, a lot of like, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, I created a design document of 260 odd pages. <laughs> yeah. So for yeah. me, <laughs> bringing that into that space, like, I think it helped quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, you can foresee sort of what the process needs to be mm -hmm. in terms of you know the, the way you build your product. Um, so I, I think that helped a lot. I think I think it was just more my lack of understanding in terms of how the dev side and the dev relationship works, you know, that technical experience of what leads up to a sprint, you know, how do you, how do you bring that all together in order to create a product? I mean, the way that I create a product now in comparison to then uh, are worlds apart. Yeah. So did you find it challenging trying to gauge what they were telling you was right about the feature or how long things should take and what their estimations were? And were they, if they had problems, were they throwing things out to you and those going above your head and you weren't sure that they were actually addressing them properly? Yeah, so yeah. For, for me, the, one of the biggest challenges there was that, you know, if, if, if the person's giving you based on their limited capacity, mm -hmm. that, that build can take something where, you know, if they say, if they estimate it to be two, three, four weeks or whatever, a small component, yes. and it takes two or three months, mm. um, I think that adds to a level of frustration between the two, mm -hmm. two parties, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Get it. Yeah. So was that the challenge of their not allocating resources to the project or just them underestimating in totality? Um, I, th I think, so the, the challenge was the elements of capacity and time, mm -hmm. okay. but then also on what was delivered as the final product. Mm. Final, like, like having designed that component in a Wix and stuff, you're already sort of designing the front end. You're showing what the feel, what the look should be. Because from a customer experience or from a sort of a user experience, mm -hmm. you want something that's simple. You want something that, you know, the guys can just see that flow, not just the functionality of what it is. So I think the combination of the two was for me, well, is what kind of brought the, the end to that sort of that partnership or that part of, my journey okay so um yeah if anyone's out there looking to start a project and looking for equity i think probably one of the biggest learnings out of that is what is the resource allocation that you're going to bind to this every week um every month like at least then if you had some own own ownership on that you would get some more clarity around what is actually possible because i think and i've been involved in projects like that where you jump in and you get um, involved in helping a little founder out and then basically say, yeah, it's probably going to take a week or two to put this together. And then resources get handed on different projects and it takes a month, right? So it's all about how committed you are to that project. So I think that's an important point to take away. You're going to look at an equity split, look at getting an actual, all right, we're going to allocate 20 hours a week to this. At least you've got some clarity on what's actually achievable. Or if it's 10 hours a week, it's 10 hours a week. But yeah, you need to really know where you stand. Like my entire journey with, with developers I think the communication component is the most important, you know, mm -hmm. if, yep. if, if guys are just open and honest, you know, up front and say, listen, I've only got five hours a week for you, or I've got the 20 hours or whatever it may be, that really is a key component. Like I'm, I'm the type of person that if you tell me mm. you're going to be able to do this within this particular timeline, mm -hmm. I will action every other component of that strategy around that. So yes. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to customers even within the last year and said, okay, well, this will be ready at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and, and gone and got the business, gone and lined it up. Yes. And guys were like, as soon as we see that, mm -hmm. we'll pay you the money. Get it. Um, and the, the, the delivery on the other side of the, that component, it just doesn't happen. Mm. So I think that, that communication structure is probably the, the biggest, well, one of the biggest components with a product product or product relationship really fails or succeeds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's communication's key, especially when you're maintaining a lot of moving pieces at once. So you can imagine from having 47 projects running at a time, having all that in the right order and all teeing up and lining up and then you having your communication based around that and then your other strategies. If one part fails, it's just a domino effect and blows everything out. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of your product, um, so you're looking at managing projects um, and it was delivered to the construction space, was that correct or is it not in that space at all? Uh, the, the entire product feature in itself had to combine three components. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously I was looking at a cloud solution that would, you know, bring everything into one workplace. Mm -hmm. So it would be tendering, would be the actual project management that happens down on site. 
Okay. Um, and then obviously in project procurement. Yes. Because um, what I found is that there are so many different solutions for each component. So, mm -hmm. you know, I might use one software for this, one software for that, one software for this. And sometimes there's very little integration between any of those. Mm -hmm. So eventually I'm using 10 different tools to work on one project mm -hmm. where like from the experience that I, I had over the last 10 years in that space, mm -hmm. bringing one solution into one space would really help a lot of people. And once again, that improves the communi communication structure on a project between myself, an engineer, an architect, the site manager, everyone's on the same page. Mm. So for me, that was the, 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 the intention behind that. That was intention. That was a problem you're trying to solve, basically. Get it. Okay. So in terms of, are you moved on from that previous developer now? What was your next step? So you tested him. Oh, yes. Those guys didn't work. What did you end up doing next? So I'd come out of that, that incubator and I got invited to an accelerator in the US called One Traction. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and what that program or, or that the particular program that I was invited to is to build your MVP product in a, I think it was a 12 week period. Um, okay. Very intense, very intense program, mm -hmm. but you might, you had to have had a technical co-founder with you. Um, yep. They give you the tools. They, they give you the tools in terms of what you should, what you could use to build your MVP, but within such a short space of time to try and learn mm -hmm. like a product prototyping tool, um, quite i think overwhelming in a sense if you're not a technical person <laughs> yeah it's probably yeah to yeah, do, do something that quickly an mvp if you have no background yeah you'd need a significant background there yeah so i, I managed to stay in, in that program for about six weeks but then like i just couldn't do anything more like i couldn't you know even if i had to have brought in a partner at that point for them to kind of understand mm -hmm. what's happening in this program and only have six weeks left to deliver uh, would be next to impossible I, I'd, I'd stepped out of that program, unfortunately, I think regrettably as well. Like mm -hmm. if I could have stayed in there, I think that could have changed many things. A, a boy w working from South Africa, uh, working with a Silicon Valley program could yes. have really been a game changer. Can I ask a question about how you applied for that and how you actually got accepted? Because some people might be interested um, in that. So I do a lot of networking on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, uh, if that's probably my best place for growing my business and uh, I mean, it's really showing this year, but during that period, I'd, I'd done a ton of networking in that space, mm -hmm. trying to find investors, trying to reach out into other programs, trying to see where I could, um, like out of South Africa, where could I try like get some form of uh, expansion or growth with what I, what I had. Um, and I'd come across somebody who'd seen what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I met with one of his partners here, and from there, they they'd gone through my whole strategy and recommended that I get invited into that program. Oh, very but good. But it is by invite only from mm -hmm. what I saw. Okay. Um, get it. So just fortunate, right person, right place, right time. Oh, Wrong right technical person. <laughs> <laughs> but in essence, it's a good point there. You've actually networked, you've gone out, you put yourself out there. Um, and actually been searching for some help, so and you found it right. So it's not generally right person, right time, um, but sometimes, yeah, if you put yourself out there, you will find something that's going to help. But I'm wondering, did they know that you're non-technical walking into that, and did they offer us some help around that, or just expected you to go in and take it on? Yeah, I think they expected me to take it on. Okay. In every investment discussion, mm -hmm. I've always made sure that everyone knows that I'm not a technical person. Yep. I can design product. Mm -hmm. I can sort of, you know, create the concept and the strategy and everything around it, but definitely nowhere near. I can probably just do a navigation bar and that's as far as I get. Get it. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. It's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you exit out of um, one traction. What did you do next? So what was your next step? Um, so I then spent probably the next two years trying to work with, or trying to find investors that could do the development. I'd come across two guys that had dev houses or dev businesses here in South Africa. Okay. Um, and I got into discussions with both of them. One had mm -hmm. a global practice. Yep. So I'm very strong on the Microsoft stack. Mm -hmm. uh, good, good exposure, big, a big Microsoft partner here locally. Yes. Um, and I was in that discussion for probably eight months. Um, mm -hmm. It was a very long time. You know, you kind of, you hold off to, well, at the time, like I thought it'd be best to hold off talking to any other investors because I've got somebody here I mean, oh, eight okay. months into the discussion. Yes. You kind of, you kind of want to see where that goes. And for me, the, 
once again, there was a frustration of, are we discussing this for eight months? Mm -hmm. Where are we going? Is mm -hmm. this happening? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, if you can kind of imagine the journey up to this point was probably two years prior to that. Okay, so, so two sitting years. for another eight months, you're starting to get a bit frustrated. You're like, are we doing this? Or are we not? Yes. Yep. You know, I'm not asking you for to put money in. I'm just asking you, can you develop? Because, you know, you, you've approached me on this component as well. Yeah. So you're two, almost three years in now and still no product to show. You've got a product design. Um, 260 pages of documentation, you've got a Wix platform, you've tested some developers and you're in this conversation and thinking, probably getting a little bit frustrated, I would imagine, at this stage. Yeah, no commitment. Absolutely. Mm. You, you yeah. want to see some form of progress. Uh, yes. Everyone around you as well wants yeah. to see some form of progress. You know, mm -hmm. the guys don't want to just see you as the guy that has the idea. Yeah, get um, it. You know, even potential business partners, you know, whether it's in that friends or family circle or if it's uh, sort of guys that are investors in your circle, mm -hmm. they want to see that you can take something from ideation to product. Yeah, and that's a big thing, right? It's not everyone can do it, and that's why there's 101 ideas out there, but only that one actually hits the mark, um, and it is, once again, execution. So now, did you actually land that as, a, as an investment, or was that basically didn't really go anywhere? Um, no, I think we both just got yeah. to the point. Mm -hmm. So to give you the background on that one, yeah. um, these guys were looking to build their own construction software. Okay. Um, and they'd found my business pitch on an investment platform. Oh, and that's it. kind of how it, how it mixed. So okay. it was quite a good sort of synchronization mm -hmm. or synergy, if I could put it like that. Yeah. But I think they had a different sort of product map going forward. Like they were trying to work on something that linked into some other Microsoft products. And the size of this particular build, I think, might not have fitted into that product map that they were, or that product route that they were setting out. Okay, so they had so, their own sort of product in mind and then they tried to leverage you. Like, really? Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Yep, get it. So, so uh, like, we both eventually just walked away. I went and found another another dev partner from there who eventually did build the, the, the MVP for me. Okay. Um, but, like, once again, that was one of those communication things. You're now getting to the point where you're quite desperate. You know, you're now... Mm -hmm. Now I'm three years and a bit into this process. Uh, I haven't seen anything come of it. You've, you've been putting money into this all along. You know, mm. you, 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 you think that, okay, well, sometimes you'll put, you know, I'll just cover this. I'm going to cover the cost of, you know, hosting this and the, the cost of designing this on a monthly basis. Yep. Those little costs, they kind of run, start running up as, as time goes by. You can imagine mm -hmm. three years down the line, mm -hmm. what you've spent, mm -hmm in trying to create something where you're not even at the MVP stage yet. Yes, I haven't got so, anything off the ground. So for me, we, we eventually got into a discussion with a guy and he was like, okay, I could do, the, we, we decided we're not going to build the whole construction software. We're going mm -hmm. to easy tender, put that into the market, start obviously making money from that and then, uh, you know, work towards the bigger picture. So which, which was refreshing to see that somebody had actually taken a step back to say, okay, listen, yeah, we don't have to look at the whole big, uh, a whole big picture of a whole construction software with procurement, with project management. Mm. Take one component, let's build that, let's see how that goes, and then we go from there. Um, That's good advice. Yeah, great advice I actually got finally because, um, yeah, trying to build what I imagine you're trying to build in terms of the big plan is a big project. And if that was said mm. maybe in the first step where you had limited resources but someone's willing to jump in, um, maybe it might have been a little bit better solution if you went down that path a little bit earlier. Yeah, look, I wish, if I had to look back at it now, mm. I would have definitely taken that taken that initial design, yep. gone and sat with a development company or three mm. or four of them to get an idea of sort of what the cost of that entire build would be, how long those components would be, what would be my best access to market here, yes. um, and then gone out to my customers to say, okay, out of these particular solutions, which would be best? You know, would you look at this component right now, and mm -hmm. would you know, could you be an early adopter for that particular stage of that business? Yeah, because you're trying to solve a lot of problems there. You're not just trying to solve one. And when you mentioned it's a full from start to finish of a project management journey, um, yeah, you need to really find that burning problem. What is it? Where can you solve it, and how can it add value? And so, doing that through just the easy tendering component. Um, made a, makes a lot of sense now, but how long did it take you to get to that realization over three, three and a half years? 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, three. I'd say about three and a half. Okay. Um, three and a half years to get to that that particular point and to get mm -hmm. to that understanding. Um, and you'd think that like having gone through those particular programs mm -hmm. you now, and you've been through this incubator, you've been through that accelerator or yes. whatever they may be, um, and the level of mentorship that's sort of put into those programs that they kind of give you that advice from an early stage being a um, being a startup or being coming from that ideation component. But you know that's that's the lessons you learn along this entrepreneurial journey. Mm. Like it's never going to be as simple as that. Yeah, and when you sort of had that realization that don't try and cover the entire ecosystem at once and get everyone involved and focus on the tendering component, was that like just did it feel like it was a simple idea and that's what it should have been from the start, or is it just because you were focused on the wrong thing or like on the whole platform overall that you didn't see it? Um, I absolutely should have just gone from a more focused, small, like a smaller product uh, from from the very start. Like, I believe that had I even got uh, Easy Tender as it stands right now is quite unique to the South African market. Mm -hmm. um, it's a it's a space where there is no innovation. So I could have taken that even three, two, three years back, it would still be the same level of innovation. Okay. Yeah, so. I didn't have to go the whole the whole big picture. Like sometimes yeah. you think a bit bigger than what <laughs> than what you're capable yeah, of doing. Yeah, you just need to go on that journey to do the learning, really. Mm. Now it takes a bit of time, right? And then and it's what is an MVP, and that's probably the biggest question that people ponder over, and they don't really get. Um, an MVP is not about the minimum viable product across your whole idea either. It can be what's minimum viable within a section of your product that's actually going to add some value to some people um, and it seems like the tender component did for you uh, so if you're going to develop a minimum viable focus in on not even 20 percent of the functionality how much of the functionality would easy tender be on the whole project side what would you estimate that to be i'd probably estimate it to probably be 20 to 30 yeah, percent okay. of the entire thing yeah. And that's a um, really good starting point for everyone out there. If you've got an idea, just pair it back to 20%. Try and get it back to that. 20, 30% max to get your MVP because you can have so many dreams about a product, uh, but developing technology is continuous. And if you can pair it back to something small, get it into the marketplace, get user feedback, and you can actually evolve from there. And generally what we found in the marketplace is you put that product out there, and then you'll get other feedback around different things that you haven't even thought about developing. And your iteration will evolve from the customer, not from your head, which is a really good place to start. Yeah, that's that's such a true that's mm. such a true statement. Mm. Um, like when we look at at what I've done with that initial MVP uh, with Easy Tender, yeah, like we were literally just trying to cut down the administrative component in Tendering mm -hmm. by at least fifty percent. Okay. And that's a big pain point for something mm -hmm. where you're spending maybe a hundred hours on. If you can cut that down to fifty hours, yes, and that level of effort can be focused on that. That remaining fifty hours that you would have used could be used on, you know, proposal management or research or client mm -hmm. research or business development relationships. Um, that's a big thing. I I think that had I just looked at that focus point, that's a mm -hmm. big pain point to relieve. Yeah. It definitely comes down to that you don't have to, you could just solve one problem. Yes. If you can solve one problem, you'll get a client. Yes. And that's instead of saying on the, say, the 20 or 30% of the functionality, I'm not sure where I've read this or who coined the term, but it's minimum value product. So don't build the minimum viable, build the minimum product that's going to bring you value. Value. Yeah. Not the minimum thing that's going to, can run majority of it or a chunk of it. It's focus on the feature that's going to bring the most value as quick as possible. So you're saying if you can cut down that time in a small task, mm -hmm. you will find the customers. There will be someone who can use that and do it. Yeah, it's adding value directly to them. Yeah. So focusing on the value first. And I think what you said there, you got to actual a, a, a bigger problem than the problem you originally started out was building a platform that everyone could communicate across the product, um, the journey of project management, and that was from tendering all the way through. But the real problem that you've really got to now is solving something very specific. So it's a little bit more niche. So it's how do we save time within the tendering process? So um, it is a more of a niche. It's an easier target market than trying to encapsulate everyone across the whole chain of project management. So I think there's probably quite a bit of learning there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. For us, the 
I had a very big, under, a very good understanding yeah. of how that tendering process worked. Mm -hmm. I mean, over the, I'd been consulting while trying to get this this business off the go. I think I'd done probably 400 tenders myself over the last three years prior to the beginning of this year. Get it. All so, right. you know, you start to apply a lot of those sort of pain points into, okay, well, my product could actually help sort this out and mm -hmm. this out and this out. Yes. And then and then take that to market and, and, and ask people, show them, like show them what it does, but what what kind of pain points that it solves. And for me, I did that in the early stages. I think I'd probably sat with 12 customers in the first month. And we all got to the we all got to the basic understanding that I'm going to cut out 50% of your admin work here. Yes. And in in comparison to what my competitors in this particular at that particular moment in time are offering, there's a lot more of a value add. Mm -hmm. So even though it's such a simple product, mm. it really did, it really did, it addresses the pain point yes. and it adds more value than what the rest of what, than what they're currently using. Get it. So and in terms of simplicity is also often best. So the simpler your product can be really, um, the easier it is for people to comprehend, um, the easier people to understand, to pick it up, to work with it. And if you're solving a clear problem that's in right in their face day in day out, it's much easier to get um, user buy-in. So yeah, that's a, there's good learning from what you're sort of saying there, Robert. For anyone that's out there designing product, yeah, definitely. I think that I mean, had we had we tried to make this thing too complex, mm. once again, I always always look at the customer experience. You know, when you log into a product and you want to use this, how complex is that to use? I've I've used some project uh, scheduling tools before where yep. I probably need an Oxford dictionary just to get through the first <laughs> <Yeah>. first <laughs> five weeks of using that, yes, that yep. level of software. And then trying to understand um, the acronyms. So, so trying to trying to address something a, a simple pain point in a simple manner, mm -hmm. um, and you know if you can if you can do that, you'll you'll get customers. You know, you might not get a massive market or whatever, but you'll start to figure out where your product, where your product fit really lies. Um, and for us, that's kind of, that's been our journey in the last year. Okay. Um, our product has evolved in such a way that my initial product, that MVP has changed the way that we do business or the way that Easy Tender has, has, a, has an offering to market, if I could put it that Initially, we went in, we looked at one side of the market to say, okay, how do we cut down 50% of your the pain and the struggle that you feel in that tendering space? Yes. And then we looked at the other side of the market that, you know, in terms of who manages these tenders, how do they manage it? How digital is that process? Is there any innovation in that process? And our product has kind of evolved into a two-sided, you know, one for the client, one for the institution that manage, manages tenders. You wouldn't believe how that actually just happened in the space of one month. Yeah, that's like, a bit quicker just, than three years, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's it's just it's incredible to see, like you mentioned mm -hmm. earlier, that you can you 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 can create this like this minimal minimal viable product, right? Mm -hmm. This MVP. But based on what you experience and what the customers are experiencing, yes. your your product can just evolve out of that. You don't even need to look at what like right now. I still, I probably still won't look at that entire construction software. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I want to see how Easy Tender evolves and the additional components that they've sort of factored around that. Mm -hmm. Because that's a place now that you're working. Obviously, you've got generating customers from getting feedback from evolving that product. So, do you have a? How did you approach it now? Do you have a technical partner on board? Do you have some advisors on board? What's been the tipping point to actually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. So. I've, I've got a new partner, mm -hmm. a new dev team on board, yep. uh, guys that were a bit more flexible than the guys that did the MVP. Mm -hmm. um, and just on the, in the fact that, you know, you, you want to see, you want a progressive unit. You want a unit, a team that, you know, if, if I've got customers that come on board and they say, okay, well, we like how easy tender works, but can we do this, this, and this with it as well? Yes. Um, Having that, so that was the, our, our pivotal moment. Like mm -hmm. we had a, a new group of guys who were like, "Yes, bring that project on. We can definitely do this." And let me, if I have to put it out there, that we're now working with our national government oh, in terms good. of of how we can digitize that for the entire sort of country. Nice. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So huge. how we how we can really simplify this like that fifty percent mm -hmm. component now could turn to a seventy percent component in terms of how we streamline that and mm -hmm. for both sides one for the guy doing the tender yes. submitting the tender and for the governmental departments that are running sort of separate manual or siloed processes mm -hmm. yep. um, into sort of one unit. Um, so for us, I just needed a team that could could kind of bring that bring that willingness and uh, the ability to do that and capacity and interest. Um, and at the same time, these guys had clients that were asking for similar things at the same time. So perfect synergy at the at, at the perfect time. Yep. So it's more having that collaborative relationship rather than the team that says yes and implements what you tell them to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we've it, heard that a few times from people. It's having just the yes people just getting things done because you're asking them to doesn't help you with the product. You need the people with a technical background to be able to assist and provide sort of that foresight that you don't have potentially because you're not in the technical space and know what's a limitation or what's possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think these guys have brought that. So, I mean, they have the technical experience, they have the digital sort of uh, branding experience. So we kind of all come together in the same space. We, they've got the same goal that I have at the end of the day, mm -hmm. is to turn this into some incredible product. Um, and we've got clients at the moment who have come on board and said, okay, well, we can see that Easy Tender does this sort of in the procurement space. It's the first phase of a procurement sort of process. Um, can you now digitize our, our procurement space and our, our business around mm. that? Yeah, so you will potentially find yourself getting to where you plan to be three years, four years ago, uh, but evolving with the customer. Because, um, yeah, once you're solving one problem, I'll ask you if you can solve another. That's another important point. Solve one key problem well, and eventually your customers will get you to where they want to be, which is maybe where you planned anyway. And, yeah, very difficult to get them to change yes. everything, everything at once. once. Oh, yeah. Your way. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think I think once you know you've you've built that level of trust within a customer, they come in, they see that you built a reliable product, that yes. you give the right level of service. You know, you then start to work on that partnership as as a more long term, mm. as on a more longer term basis. So yeah, absolutely, I think that that it's just how that relationship evolves. Like if you continue to add value, um, you you'll definitely build a, a long term client base out of that. So in terms of, um, let's jump into adding value in terms of customer relationship. Um, I think some people jump into a product development and they're looking to launch a product out into the marketplace, similar to where you sort of started. And it might be your idea in your head, but then you start to realize that it's, you're in a, probably in a better position if you involve the product or evolve it with your customers directly. Um, and get buy-in directly with the customer because in the end, they're the ones that are going to be buying the product, but they're also looking at more of not just a product, they're looking at a business that they can work with and evolve with as well. So share a bit about, um, if you can, some of your customers' experiences with you and the sort of the journey you've taken them on from start to where they're going now. Okay, so we're working with a an electrical supplier. They've got okay. a massive product line. Mm -hmm. I think they're about 65,000 products. That's huge number. And mm. yeah, you, 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 I mean, our, our initial conversations with them were around sort of what their current processes were. Yes. You know, what are they finding to be tedious or what are their mm -hmm. challenges? What are their, you know, what systems are they using? And I mean, this particular client is probably using six or seven different things to, or systems just to, just to get the information about tenders, let alone they're running their internal process. And they've okay. got a big team. I think it's 25 to 50, 50 guys that are mm -hmm. that are doing tenders on a daily uh, on a daily basis. Wow. I think they do about 900 tenders a year minimum. <sighs> right. Okay. So they're busy. They're a busy team. They really they really have a lot a lot on the go there. Mm -hmm. And what's what's been quite interesting is sort of how we've developed their solution around our core our MVP core base product. Mm -hmm. um, they they now we've seen that their biggest pain points obviously lies around getting pricing from suppliers. You can imagine if you've got a sixty-five thousand product line, yes, that that's quite a that that process on its own could probably take two weeks or three weeks mm -hmm. to 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 finalize. Um, so we found different key components, and we're now building the tools around that. So your client gets the sense of ownership that. This is their process. How do they how do they digitize that? How do they simplify that? Mm -hmm. 
and you build that into well we've built that into our into our core system so we have the the sort of central data points for them where it gives them the key information but we build around their process and i find that the more you you build you're not going to go change your client's process you're really not like unless you've got something that changes their whole business yes, which you're probably going to be quite reluctant to implement yes if you build a, if you build around your client process and you you know you, you don't change the person's day-to-day job mm-hmm. you you just digitize it you simplify it you remove the admin component where it needs to be removed mm-hmm. you'll make a massive difference in your in your clients in your clients uh, day-to-day operation and I think that's where you start to build on on that product client uh, relationship yeah. you know you build a trust around that they can see that they're getting value out of that that partnership and right. I think that's with this particular client like that's where we, we're engaged with them at the, mo- at the moment so then adding value for them is that something that you then build into your core product and offer to everyone or is it uh, yeah. or does everyone get like their own <laughs> version of it with their own tweaks um, so no, it is it is something that we can add across the board. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the one of the biggest comments that came from them were negotiation on price due to the fact that you could roll this out with many of your other customers. Yes, yep. <laughs> can happen. Um, so so yeah, it is, there are components that you that you can build on and you can sell out to market, mm-hmm. which is always a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you also there are components there that are strictly strictly related to their business process, um, which remain obviously theirs. That's Know, that component that keeps their business, that almost gives them their own competitive edge yes. as well in a certain space. They maintain yep. that competitive edge. Yes. Okay. So some exclusive components that you're developing yep. and some free to market. So, But really every every client you're probably finding and dealing with, there's shared problems, there's shared issues that they have. Um, you're solving one problem for this customer, yes, it can get transposed down to 10, 20, 30 more. So, uh, but that's how you evolve your product. It's about evolving with your customers, servicing them, and then offering it out to other services. So would you say you're a product business or a service business? Because that's a question that I'd like to ask people that, you know, that are in your space. Are you delivering product or del- delivering more from a consulting perspective? That's a very interesting question. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's a bit of both. You yeah. initially set out to be a product business. Yes. You, you know... But I think as your business either pivots or whether mm-hmm. you, your product evolves, yes, you 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 work around the service space in in terms of that relationship between service and product. Get it. So I, I believe that we're a mixture of both, mm-hmm. and I'm quite happy to keep it yes. like in that space. I think they complement one another, mm-hmm. um, and I think I think with product, in, in terms of my experience, that you are going to give that bit of you know it might not be a big service component, but you're going to yes. give some. Yep. Get it. So oh, it just depends on your business. Yeah, yeah. and I, uh, I, like I said to you, Robert, we've got a product that's in the um, pharmacy space, and we sort of started out in a similar vein as you. Let's just build a product and try and sell it to market. But then over time, you start to realise that our expertise are more from consulting, developing, building product, um, which is a massive advantage because we can walk into an organisation. Here's our product, but what are your challenges? What can we help you with? And that's been evolving our products. So it's very similar. Um, sort of journey that you're on right now. We've been evolving our product with our customers. So I think that's a, a key point for anyone. Just be prepared, put a product out there, develop something basic that delivers value, but evolve it with your customers because you're going to get better buying. They're going to be with you for the long haul and not just going to shop around yeah. because they're just comparing feature to feature. They're now comparing, all right, here's your features, here's your services, but here's the product journey that we run with you. And it's a much bigger buying um proposition for you a bigger value statement for your business so that seems like the path that you're on yeah i, d- I definitely think that i mean our journeys are very are so yeah. similar yeah. but i think that being able to evolve your business mm-hmm. or have that level of flexibility that yeah my product is can do x yes. but with my services or y and z mm-hmm. like you you can really build that that sort of partnership w- with your client Yep. I think having that level of flexibility will take your business a lot further. Like, I think you've said flexibility about 10 times in this conversation, so it's clearly an important point for anyone, so being flexible. I think you mentioned about your dev team being flexible with the point of understanding what the customer wants and evolving product for them. Being flexible about yeah, how you approach everything is pretty pivotal in this, this day and age now with technology. 
you might have to be flexible around a feature set. You might have to be flexible around what you're delivering this week to next week. So it's one thing that people should remember. Don't get too stuck in on a product and a two-year development. Be flexible around what you're doing day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, and evolve with your customers. Especially customer. in the early stages. Yeah, early stages. Be yeah. open to What change. you think your product will be, like yes. your entire construction project management platform, and what ends up happening. Uh, could be completely different yeah. or a slight part of it or yes. <laughs> something you didn't even think of. Yeah, correct. <laughs> Depends how, yeah, where you go and where you yeah. see the interest. Yeah, so it becomes more of an entrepreneurial journey rather than a product building journey because you are looking at solving problems, right? And you're finding problems along the way and you've found a key problem, so let's solve that first. Um, and finally, you've delivered that, and now you evolve from there. So that just you sort of lose that just when you get to scale. Right? Yeah, you can lose that at scale. So if you get to yeah. 10, 20, 30, 40,000 customers, you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to service them at the same level. Same level you are now. Yeah. You're going to have this is yeah. a fixed product. Yes. What affects most people, right? That's yes. what we develop. But the question can well, be I, that's I Facebook, think... Instagram, YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Google, all those sort of things, they get to that a certain size, and it's yes. no longer how can we support each person. It's yeah. what's going to support yeah. the most amount of people. But I think, like, I think that once you've gotten your business to sort of that level where, mm. you know, you've got that 30,000, 40,000 user, you know, customer base. Yes. Along that, you know, you've done so much of that service work up to that point. Correct. That you've built on all the additional things. You've, you've kind of built that intelligence into your business. Yes. That, you know, those just become the add-ons. I mean, if you, mm-hmm. like, you know, if you look at a Facebook and stuff, You've got the general communication platform there, but I mean, yes. the amount of services that they've built into that over time, mm, yeah. you know, at scale, like I think that th- I think the aim there almost is to get to that point of yeah. of now built up this huge client base. Yes, we built the smaller products around that. Mm-hmm. You know, at a large scale, that that turns a bas- like a medium business into a massive business. Yeah, yes. yeah. so different level altogether. So I think it's about retention th- and how to get more people in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the point is really what we're trying to say here is build a product, build with customers. You're going to solve a lot more customers' problems and eventually you get to a tipping point where customers come to you because of the service you're delivering to all the other customers in the feature set. And eventually you solved enough problems that your feature set is big enough to service a mass market. And that's probably where you're headed to, but it takes a lot longer than people think. Yeah, just be flexible in the beginning and have the ability to move and pivot and change with the growing needs and demands. I think it's a case of realizing that that is going to be a journey. It's not going to be a quick thing. Correct. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. and sort of just just have that flexibility along the way. Don't be too stuck in. Don't be too stuck into. Okay, well, this was my idea, and that's where we're going. Yes. Like, yep. your, your business is going to evolve every day. Mm-hmm. Um, your product will evolve all the time. It's just about having. I think that key the key partnership is what do your customers want? What do they need? And just build that relationship. Mm-hmm. Your product will build around that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, being a non-tech founder, we'll probably want to dig in just a little bit to wrap up the conversation around what are some of your key learnings, questions that you'd walk into? Just say you were to start again. Let's take it back. All right. We're here. You've got an idea about building this platform. What are some of the things you'd ask development partners, key points, key questions that you'd dive in and say, okay, can you do this? How can we work together? Or What's a collaboration journey? What would you like? tell yourself? Yeah, what would you tell yourself? <laughs> that you need yeah, to know. Geez. Maybe that way it's probably I think, easier. I think, I think there's a book that could be written. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not <laughs> the first person that said question. that. <laughs> um, yeah. If I had to look back, if I really had to look back at yeah. my journey now, and if I, like, if, I, if I were to start a new product, yes. I would, geez, I would do this in such a different way. Like I would use, basically create a very simple version of what I want. Speak yes. to a few customers first to see whether there is definite interest. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of trying to go build this massive program and then yep. try and see what I can do. And then go and sit with, go and sit with the technical guys. Go and understand, um, firstly, you know, what, what would be the best kind of technology to build this on? You know, where, you know what would the cost be in this? And try and merge the two in terms of what that client is really looking for. You know, do they want something that's cloud-based? Do they want something, you know, do they need access to that information all the time? And from a development perspective, I start to look at partners that already work or have developed products in that space. Mm -hmm. So not just going to a group of guys that, yeah, you're developers, but 
you know, have you ever done a tendering system? Have you ever done a, a project management system? You know, if, you, if these guys only specialize in e-commerce, you would, they'll take the, they'll, they'll never say no to the work. Don't get me wrong. If I come there and I say, <laughs> I've got a, a million dollars for you, <laughs> yes. they're going to take the work. Yeah. 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 But at the end of the day, you want a team that have had experience in that space, mm -hmm. uh, who can really give you the insights in terms of what, when they've built that kind of a product before, that they had these kind of challenges so they can really share insight with you in that space. I think one of the key points there around that is sometimes it can be hard to find people that have built the exact same thing, just so people listening. So you don't have to find someone that's built the exact same product that you're trying to build. I think conceptually, you're trying to find someone that no, can understand and work with you on in the industry, but also then right, you're trying to build a SaaS product, right? Um, a product that can sit in the marketplace and have different types of users and just get a feel of the type of technology they've delivered before, yeah. the type of scale that delivered before, because sometimes it can be challenging to find the same people uh, that delivered exact product or slightly similar variants. No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. so that's some, uh, just a point that I'd raise around that one there. No, that's, that's such a, that is a valid point, that. Um, but yeah, so I just, I want to know that they've got the right level of experience yes. um, and that they would give you the right guidance along that journey. You know, I, I wouldn't want anyone that's sort of going in that ideation phase to sit and go through that process for three to five years. No, um, yeah. no, you know, it's not that, that, yeah. that, 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 that as an entrepreneur, I think that can eat your soul. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's really, it's really a difficult journey. It makes your journey mm. so difficult. So Get that advisory, get them in, you know, get the guys that can really guide you on that journey, mm -hmm. get them involved as early as possible. You know, if you spend a bit of money there, it's money well spent rather than wasting that money over three to five years. Yeah. So one of the biggest things are customer first, work with your customers, get to know exactly what problems you're trying to solve, design a product with them, um, and find some good advisors or team, invest in them to actually help you along the journey people that are going to help you understand the technology easy to communicate with are going to want to be are going to be flexible with your product build because you are starting out from a product build perspective so some good advice there anything else you want to add to that Eve? don't work with the yes people yes don't work with yes people no. <laughs> another way of Absolutely. saying that yeah <laughs> i think we can make that the number one rule yes. <laughs> when people are going to challenge you yes both technically and your business model and your thinking because Yes, if you're working with good tech teams that have done it before and help people along the journey, they're going to have different questions. They're going to know yep. um, what works in the space, what sort of challenges that you may have, and just listen, be prepared to listen to good people yeah. that have had good uh, experience yeah. in the space. The only thing they would like if they haven't built a similar tool is having solved that problem the first time. Yes. But if they're a good team, they can solve it and sort of preempt some of those issues already. Yes. Yeah. Coding is coding. If they're a good team, they'll be able to do it. Mm -hmm. But there's some domain knowledge that might be specific to the construction industry where one team could excel on top of another. Yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But I mean, I think like if you can just get that model right in the beginning, like if you spend six months working mm -hmm. with the sort of right advisors and the right, you know, you get the right structure in place, mm -hmm. you'll cut this journey down by half. Like, yeah. I, I mean, think... if you go into a client who doesn't know what they want and you know, that journey is just going to take a really long time to get to the, to the final product. Definitely. Get the right advisory team together. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, really, really sit and you know, work with the guys that are professionals in that space. You'll cut down that time to market at yeah. least by half. I think most people are just stuck in the problem of not knowing what the right path should be. Correct. Yeah. So if you had known that an advisor would help you up the front and finding a team that works with you, then you would have taken that move. Yeah, right it's away. Hindsight, like they say, is always a great thing. So yeah, when you're going yeah. through something, it's hard to know that there's another way. And if you do think of that yeah. other way, you don't necessarily know it's better. Well, in the end, Robert, that's why we're here. We're trying to educate people on a, a better path. And yeah. um, by sharing stories like yourself in terms of um, what the journey's been like, what the challenges you've had, um, we hope to, to waken some people up and just say, all right, get a good team, get an advisor on board, try and find someone technical that can help you. Um, and work really with your customers. I think that's two pivotal points. If you're working directly with your customers and you've got a good team and a good advisory behind you, if you have to pay up front to help design your product, do that because it will save you years of time. And sometimes that years of time may mean that product's passed you uh, because there's other competition out there in the marketplace too that's gone yeah, beyond you. So you just got to be conscious of that. Um, just so everyone sort of 
um, gets a bit more uh, perspective as to where you're leading to now. So how many customers do you have on board? How's the product going? Um, are you, what sort of position are you in? So with our pivot, we did our pivot now mm -hmm. in September. Yep. We relaunched the marketing more to go towards the enterprise side. Yes. Um, so if, if we close this deal now with our government, there will yes. be 800,000 users that would be in that space. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, but it's, that's the user base. Like yes. That's the user base here that does tendering that are yeah. in, you know, in that yeah. market. Um, but I, th I think from an enterprise perspective, like mm -hmm. our focus will be there in terms of the value that we can really add yes. holistically. Mm -hmm. um, we've, we've, we are looking to close another partner deal with another global brand as well in their EPC space. Okay. Um, awesome. So I think a lot of our business where there was a lot of sort of time spent on really following the side of the, that where people really do a lot of tendering themselves. Mm -hmm. We're going to try and by, by combining our, that, that, that product with our enterprise product, you give the holistic solution. Yes. So we'll, We'll still focus on that side, but we'll also focus on the enterprise side where we can, you know, implement that holistically. Get it. Makes so sense. whether whether that's with big construction projects mm -hmm. or big, you know, or within government departments or, you know, that that process is the same throughout. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're tendering for something, that process is the same process whether I'm doing it uh, for this public sector client or for these kind of large scale um, sort of global brands or whatever. Yep. So right now, like that's that's our core focus, and um, I think we we've, we've added we've created the solution that adds value there, <laughs> based on what the client client pain point is, and I'm quite excited to see where 2020 goes in that respect. Yeah, and no, it's exciting if you land a, a contract of that caliber. Um, and it's really when did you start this new product? This was a year ago. No, so the new product actually, uh, I think around about August this year. So we 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 just evolved mm -hmm. Easy Tender from what the MVP yeah. was. Okay. Uh, redesigned that. Yes. Relooked at the entire thing. Yes. Did the did the redesign in August? Yep. Put it out to test the market in September. Wow. Um, and yeah, incredible, incredible feedback from there. Accelerated. Yeah, accelerated. It's accelerated, but you got to think about right. those three years. Years of learning launch. has gone into that, right? Of course. Yeah, if you knew all yeah. that up front, it'll take you three months. You got a product on board, and you collect a uh, a contract of that size. So yeah, it's it's the learning, and yeah. I think the knowledge and yeah, the knowledge and experience you gathered through that process. If we can help people through sharing stories like yourself speed that up to be a, a, a one year two year period rather than a four or five year period i think we're doing um yeah. justice for the the ecosystem so, yeah, so hopefully there's someone listening yeah. with an idea and hasn't started yet and you yes. can set them on the right path yes. and save them one or two years yes. some hair in this all <laughs> <laughs> yeah but this i think i think what you're doing what you guys are doing yeah is fantastic i think that value add had i like you say had i yes. heard this uh three, four years ago, yeah. like it would be completely different. Yes. So like the value add in terms of that knowledge share um, is huge. Cool. Now, Robert, I know you're doing a bit of um, help in terms of the startup space. So if you want to share sort of how people can connect with you, find out a bit about Easy Tender, go for it. Just tell a bit about what you, how you're doing in terms of the startup yeah, space. So because I've struggled so much in that ideation to, to product space, yes. um, I'll, I'm always ha happy to, I do help a lot of local startups. Yeah. Who are trying to get to that point? Mm -hmm. um, try, I try to get them to market a lot quicker than what I did. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so giving back. Um, so yeah, like my, the best platform to get hold of me is either on our website, so www.easytender.com. It's E A Z I. Yep. E -A -Z -I. Um, so great. So my whole brand is around that easy brand, mm -hmm. and or LinkedIn. So yes. if you had to find me on LinkedIn, you'd see Easy Tender all over my page. Yes. Um, I, I love my brand, so <laughs> I love and I love it. Yeah. But yeah, like for me, it's just, it really is about sharing. If I can help any, any entrepreneur, you just get to market a bit quicker, a bit of mm -hmm. advice. It can be the smallest thing. Like I, I'll help yeah. guys just with the, how to improve a company profile or something. Yes. Like just to share, just to share that knowledge that I, that's taken me so long to gain. I'm happy to do it. No, very good. So if anyone wants to reach out to another uh, founder um, on his success journey, yeah, feel free to reach out to Robert. So we'll put your details in on the show notes and how they can connect. So 
Thanks, Robert. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate you taking the time out in your day just to share your story and your journey thus far. Good luck landing the contract. Yes, good luck. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Guys, thank you very much, man. And I'll I'll definitely, if I head off to Oz, um, I think it'll be maybe the first or second quarter next year. Yeah. I'll definitely come come by and pop by. Oh, for sure. We'll go grab a beer, grab some lunch and, uh, yeah, take you out, show you Melbourne a little bit. (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah, sounds like a plan. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks so much. eh? Thank you.